Well, hello everyone, and it is happy Friday to all. I guess it's Taylor Swift weekend here in the Berg. More importantly to me is I am leaving for the beach tomorrow, and today, Friday the 16th, is officially the first day of the downtime. You know, the Steeler OTAs and minicamp is done. Everyone is retreating to Lysiam, to the beach, or wherever they go. So this will be my last podcast of the week and none last week, next week while I'm on vacation. And then we will dig back into it. You guys have a homework assignment though while I'm gone. Please tweet or send me notes at the site of things you'd like me to cover, you know, especially in podcasts, but also my weekly article. Um, again, the next couple of weeks, there's not going to be a lot of new content. So coming up with things will be a little different. Maybe there's just something football-wise you want me to cover, you know, so if you have suggestions, please send them my way. Um, today, as I often do, I've got a, a big file. I just keep adding snippets from across the, across the league of things I've found on the internet. And it always brings more discussion. Uh, you guys give me a lot of good feedback of some of these stats I dig up with. And, and here's another one. So, Often a lot of these are from Pro Football Focus. This one is as well. And often a lot of these are from fantasy sites. So this is a fantasy take on George Pickens from Pro Football Focus. And right now he is going in the fantasy world as the 74th player off the board and the 26th wide receiver. And Pro Football Focus thinks that is way too high. And I tend to agree right now, although I might change my tune in training camp when we see his usage more. But Here's a couple nuggets here. Pickens announced his presence early in his NFL career with a series of jaw-dropping downfield catches while establishing a legitimate connection with Kenny Pickett. But he also showed some serious flaws in his all-around game with a very limited route tree and target distribution. Here's the thing I took most out of this conversation. And we've talked about it a fair amount, and it has to change. And this is a Matt Canada thing. I mean, it just really is. So, of Pickens' 96 targets, as a rookie, they threw him the ball 96 times. 50 of those came on a go, a fade, or a hitch. And just 13 of them came on in-breaking routes. So, this was the first I read this was this morning. But I've been telling you guys this for months, you know, that they're at the top of the league in go routes, particularly Pickens, and that's the easiest route in the league to defend. The in-breaking stuff has to, has to, has to, has to increase. And I do think the acquisitions of Allen Robinson as well as Washington at tight end indicate that the middle of the field will be utilized more. But I read you George Pickens' reception perception that Matt Harmon wrote and he said this without the official numbers. He didn't break down all 96 targets, but he said everything's a go, fade, or hitch. And really, a go and a fade is basically the same thing. You know, I mean, you're basically just running down the sideline going to getting the ball. So, it's all hitches and goes, you know. So, defensive backs know this stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, just here's the, the rest of the conversation about why you shouldn't take Pickens as a 26 wide receiver off the board. Ask five people why they think what they think of Pickens, you'll likely get five different answers. As some believe he can ascend to a wide receiver one status sooner than later, while others are not buying into his profile or the Steelers' offense as a whole. While there is no doubt Pickens has loads of talent, being drafted several slots of his teammate Deontay Johnson, he's going, Deontay's going wide receiver 29. Again, Pickens is going wide receiver 26. 
<laughs> Taking him ahead of Deontay defies logic. As Johnson has commanded over 140 targets in each of his last three seasons, while Pat Fryermuth and Najee Harris both look poised to grow in their passing game impact. Not sure Harris will. I absolutely think Fryermuth will. I also think there's more mouths to feed. Mentioned Robinson, Washington. I think Hayward's going to catch more passes this year. And I think Jalen Warren's a great receiver. So Pickens is extremely impressive, especially like when you watch practice every day. I mean, last year in training camp, wow. But he does have work to do. And I think certainly some fantasy folks, but also some Steeler folks in general are kind of putting the cart before the horse in terms of what he is now, not what he can become. He can become great and he flashes great. He flashes insanely great. Now, this doesn't all fall on Matt Canada, but the route distribution and the route usage for Pickens has to, has to, has to diversify. Let's just use that word, change. You know, it can't just be go routes. I mean, it, uh, it's insane to me. Now, you have a rookie quarterback and a rookie receiver. Maybe that's all you were comfortable with in year one, and all the good stuff is yet to come. If we give Matt Canada the benefit of the doubt, which apparently Coach Tomlin is, maybe that's what's happening. You know, we'll see. I mean, that's the stuff I'm going to be watching and being critical of. Um, all right, we'll be back with another little nugget I found here, too. A little bit more favorable for the Steelers. All right, we're back. As I mentioned, Pro Football Focus keeps putting out rankings. It is ranking season. Folks, I've written so many lists in my 20-some years in the media, often this time of year. And I'll be putting some lists together, too. I mean, one of my projects for sure is rank the top 20 quarterbacks or so in the league. Things like that, For mostly for my other podcasts, but I'll, you know, we'll, we'll tr- translate it here. But a list that came out today from PFF was best defensive lines in the league. Let's qualify defensive lines real quick. We're not talking front seven. We're just talking defensive fronts. So doesn't matter if you're on a three, four or four, three D tackles, noses, edges, three, four outside linebackers. I can't believe anyone even uses that term anymore. So TJ Watt counts, even though he might drop into coverage from time to time. Now, as you would imagine, the Steelers are pretty high on this list. So I'm going to start with number one and go down to the Steelers. And wrap it up from there and head to the beach. So how about that? So this should shock no one after a 70 sack season, but the Eagles have the best defensive line in the league. The notes here are uh, that matter are even after losing Javon Hargrave, who's been better in Philadelphia than he was in Pittsburgh and is a tremendous football player in the prime of his career. But they insert Jalen Carter into the mix as well as Nolan Smith. You know, so two first round picks on their defensive front make up for the loss of Javon Hargrave, who was a superstar last year. I found this interesting, and I don't disagree, that they finished their Eagles blurb with, there is a case to be made that Philadelphia's second string defensive line would also rank in the top 20 on this list. That's pretty crazy. I mean, that's like Jordan Davis and Nolan Smith, and I don't know how exactly we're going to break down their their, uh, depth chart. But that's the beauty of this Eagles thing. And I think that's something the Steelers might adopt a little more, too, is just 
Give me as many defensive linemen of all shapes and sizes. Bring them out like hockey lines. Uh, that's been my favorite way of building a team forever. Uh, envious of the teams like Georgia and Alabama that just recruit these freaks in the front and just keep bringing them out fresh. If the Steelers can get to that point, look out. So they're headed that way, though. The Niners come in second. They add Hargrave, which is huge. They have Armstead there, who's a high-quality player that would be a force for any team. But he's their three, which is nice. So you add Hargrave to Nick Bosa, who's a T.J. Watt-level player, defensive player of the year, reigning champion right now. Can't fight you on the Niners. I mean, just can't. And, and oh, by the way, their first pick last year, Drake Jackson, is now going to get a real opportunity. So, okay. I mean, I think those top two are pretty solid. I would also have Washington, who they have three Ahead of the Steelers, I know there's been rumblings of, you know, Steelers are interested in Chase Young, yada, yada. We could discuss that if and when it happens. But that would also fortify the thing I just said about just bring in guys that are hard to block of all shapes and sizes. But in the meantime, Washington's front four is first round pick, first round pick, first round pick, first round pick. And Jonathan Allen is a real force in the middle, as is Deron Payne, you know, working on a franchise tag. Montez Sweat is a stud off the edge. Young's actually the wild card. He's the one everyone just assumes is the best, but he's kind of the wild card at this point. He needs to redeem his career without question. Another team I think is certainly in the mix, and I can't fight them having them over the Steelers, is the Miami Dolphins. They have two of my absolute favorite young ascending, hitting their their prime defensive linemen in Jalen Phillips, as well as Qu Christian Wilkins. Wilkins is the D-tackle. Phillips is a big power end. Tremendous. They traded for Chubb from Denver last year. So they have star power. They have a lot there. That's going to be a really good defense. There's some depth players in Miami that I think are quite good as well. So Miami versus Steelers is probably close. I probably would take Pittsburgh, but they have Pittsburgh and right behind. The Steelers are at five. So here's what they say about the Steelers. Pittsburgh's defensive line boasts some, boasts some elite players. Even if interior defender Cameron Hayward turned 20, 34 in March and edge defender TJ Watt earned his lowest grade since 2018 in an injury-plagued year. Edge defender Alex Highsmith had a breakout season, finishing 24th at his position in overall grade. Pretty good. However, the unit lacks the depth it once had and needs rookie Keanu Benton to play well right off the bat for the Steelers to re retain their place in the top five. There's where I have a slight little fight with them. And hey, I'm closer. You're closer to the Steelers than these national publications. But by adding Golden, I think that's all the outside linebacker. I just did it too. That's all the edge depth you probably need. I mean, now I don't think it's a weakness. You know, you go Highsmith, Watt, you know, bring in Golden. And the more I much watch the, the Marvin Leal, the more I think he's going to be really impactful when used properly, 30 snaps a game. And I really, you know, we didn't even mention Ogunjobi. He's not going to have two sacks again. He's going to have four, five, six, like he does always in his career. So that interior foursome of Cam, Ogunjobi, Benton, Liao, not to mention the nose tackles, I think will be better, way better than it was last year. Not Cam to it in their prime years, but depth to me is not as big a concern as they think it is. 
especially when you talk about Golden, you talk about those guys, as well as the noses that are going to be out there. I know they don't make a huge impact. Last thing I'm going to mention, just because they are six and they're in the division, is the Cleve Brownies. Now, I we all know Miles Garrett. He's the Bosa Watt level guy in this conversation. Of, of the edges mentioned, he's one, two, three, whatever. I mean, you can fight about the, the order of those guys. I'm sure all you all you guys hate him. I don't really care. He's a superstar. But it's always been the Miles Garrett show and the pips. Like, I thought the Browns D tackles last year was honestly one of the weakest position groups in all of football. To their credit, they go get Dalvin Tomlinson. They draft Ika out of Baylor, which he might not fill up a stat sheet, but at least he'll give them quality snaps, you would think. They had Jadavian Clowney. You're probably like, well, hey, Clowney, that's not so bad. He's one of the most overrated players in the entire league. I, I really think he is. So their edge guys opposite Garrett are vastly improved to me. You, you, you go out and you get a, a Quanquo from Houston. Um, and here's what they say about him. A Quanquo could be one of the most underrated signings of the offseason. The former fifth round pick is graded amongst the top 30 edge, edge defenders in each of the last two years. I love that pickup for them. Hate it for the Steelers. And they, they go get Dalvin Tomlinson, a high quality defensive tackle. I would say he's better than Ogan Joby, not as good as Cam, but more run stuffer than, you know, than penetrator, you know, sack guy. And then Zadarius Smith is a great wild card to add at the end of this equation. They also had a couple draft picks. I mentioned Ika. And the nice thing about Smith for them is when they play the Ravens and they're getting run on like crazy, Smith will be the end opposite Garrett. When it's third and eight in Cincinnati, Smith will probably line up on the inside as an interior pass rusher over the guards. So the Browns have done some good things, as have all teams in the division. But I think boosting the D lineman, not named Miles Garrett, was probably the best thing they did. So I don't know that I would have them six in D line rankings, considering last year I'd probably have them like 20, you know, Garrett and a bunch of blah. But they did jump up this group dramatically. So Steelers and Browns are at the top of the division in these rankings. And I think the Steelers would either be fourth or fifth in D-line rankings if I were to do them. You know, them versus Miami is a tough one. So off the beach, you guys know your homework. Send me some stuff you want me to talk about here in the coming weeks. And have a good time. Over and out. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend.